0: hello church family uh, thanks again for listening to these daily devos I hope that these are helpful and uh, this is a part two of Esther chapter 2 uh, just away by quickly review chapter two begins several years after chapter one and remember chapter one he uh, King Ahasuerus Harris uh, had this massive party uh, he wanted to show off everything he wanted to show off his wife his wife chose not to listen so that he uh, gets he listens to his advisors to exile his wife, and uh, now at this point, uh, chapter two, several years after that, and uh, and remember chapter two. This is when after several years later, when he when King Harris, uh, realizes that his queen is gone, um, he decided, or not, rather, he didn't decide. His advisor advised him that hey, maybe you should do this beauty pageant. You remember the whole beauty pageant? They spent whole all their time. These ladies from all over just came to try to. Win the king over uh, with their beauty, and they they gave them all of these different things. So that each of the ladies there are there are uh, supposed to stand out to the king. Uh, and of all the ladies that that uh, participated, uh, Esther is one that finds favor. And remember Esther was uh, related to Mordecai, who is uh, one of the few Jew- Jews in this area. And you recall that Mordecai told Esther not to reveal the fact that they were Jewish people. Uh, so Esther wins this beauty pageant and she's known as the new queen and then there's a whole celebration and all of that. And at the end of the, the chapter, Mordecai uh overhears these two um eunuchs or two advisors arguing against one another <coughs> uh plotting rather than arguing but they're trying to plot against the king and they get found out and Mordecai gets a a commendation for his uh for his um help and for exposing these uh traitors, I guess. So that's the whole point—the summary of chapter two. And I remember—I remember last time we were thinking, how do we make, how do we, what do we do with this? What do we do with this chapter? Because remember, this is a a book where there is no God present in the sense of not in the text, but He is He is actively working through uh, individuals, even though these people are sinful and they're doing things that are pleasing to their own eyes and was um, catering to their own flesh. God is still sovereign over all things. So how do we apply this? So how do what are the principles that we can draw from this? Uh has well, often said that sometimes our sin is best seen in other people, and what that means is sometimes when we uh, we may not be able to identify sin in our own life, but when we look at someone, we we see like anger, we see we realize, oh, I struggle just as much as anger as that other individual, or if you. Uh, notice someone gossips a lot. You think about your own life. You realize, oh, I do the same thing as well. This is kind of like the taking the log out of your own eye concept. And now that's what we're going to do here. We're going to look at these contrasts. We're going to show. I'm going to show you how uh, how the world functions, and we're supposed to do the contrast on what believers are supposed to do. So the uh, so way by application. Uh, here's where we go. How, here is how we're going to go about it. How to live in a strange world so that you can grow in your trust in the Lord. Instead of following the world's way, here's how you follow God's way. So first, we must remember that we don't trust in man's words. Our devotional thought today is that we should not place our trust in man's words. And the reason why that is is because man's words are fickle. Uh, they come, <laughs> and then they go, and they're often driven by their desires, and, and they always change. Um, things uh, don't last, or what they, they seem like they last. It's only this mirage that lasts forever, but really... It would, just, it would just go with the wind, and that's what we said back when we talked about chapter one. You know, in verse one and two. Uh, remember, I said that the king returned from war, and he didn't realize that his queen was gone, and that the advisors have, he told them, like, hey, remember that you, you, met this, you made this decree several years ago, and he's like, oh, yeah, so what are we supposed to do? Uh, and you can see that, like, he, even this law that the king made, he has completely forgotten his own law. This is a law that he's made. Granted, he might have been drunk a little bit, but... You know, you'd think the person that's ruling over the city will have some sort of document saying that, like, uh, yeah, these are the laws it's the land. And we understand that even in our world today, there's always going to be things that are changing. Uh, what's right one generation may be wrong the next generation. Um, what, is, uh, what is correct one generation may be seen as error in the next generation. Even in our own world and in this Western American culture that we live in, I don't know if you ever talked to non-believers or just had any debate with people about politics when they'll say things like, that is not constitutional. And you ask them like, okay, where in the constitution does it actually say that? Or or does it even say this or doesn't say? And you find that people just say things not knowing what the actual constitution really are. And um, and that's how the world works. They 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 operate off emotion thinking that the what they say is the right thing, even though it may not be. There are, there's no permanence in man's laws. It doesn't stand in the test of time. And going back to the passage, you see that in uh, verse 4, and after they gave them advice about how we should do this beauty pageant, the king it said that the, uh, the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. And we'll see again throughout this entire book that the king is constantly being manipulated. He's constantly being swayed from doing one thing to another, and he's always moving back and forth between one advisor and another. And, and, there's, and, and in, in the Persian mindset, you have to remember that they think that whenever something's set, in, whenever, whenever there's a law that's set, uh, that is permanent, that's, that's infallible, it's inerrant. But we can see that, no, it's not. They're just uh, going to try to find different ways to add different laws so that they don't have to um, break the first law. But they're just make, trying to find all these different loopholes. Again, this is how the world works. The world will always try to find rules or law that will satisfy their, their desires and their flesh. Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away from and turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myth. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And, you know, Paul telling Timothy that this is the reality of life. There's going to be people in the church, not even outside the church, that are going to operate this way. And we have to understand that as Christians, we are not. People that are, should be driven by man's words. You know, man's words change, the culture changes. We need to ground ourselves in the things of truth. This is why, actually, this is why the world hates Christians, because Christianity has the perception of killing happiness and joy because of God's holiness, not realizing that God's word is actually what is best. in, this, in, in back in the book of Esther, the king's desire is, not, is, is just doing whatever he wants at the moment. There's no longevity to his rules. Now, don't be surprised if the coming days that we do this, that uh, that we eventually eventually somehow do things opposite of what we're doing now. Right now, we have all of these things like we have to quarantine, we have to stock up, we have to do all these these things. And then maybe a few weeks from now, things will go back to normal. And then a few weeks after that, things might revert back. It just go back and forth. Um, and that's just not in terms of the the, you know, the virus, but just... Like the way the man thinks in general, it just always swings back and forth and back and forth. Uh, what's again, what's right once can be wrong, and what's wrong once can be right later. I remember the whole Me Too movement. Uh, that movie producer, uh, I don't forgot his name, but he, that guy that was like um, had all these. Recently, he was uh, and uh, he was put in jail for all of these like harassments and stuff and i remember when they interviewed him harvey weinstein yeah when they interviewed him they asked why was he like this why is he doing all this and he said well he grew up in the 70s in the 70s they said you can do whatever you want you can have sex with whoever you want and, it, and then now uh and now he, he's a product of that and now what was once right then is now wrong now and only event, it only eventually it will just again if you're living in a, a world that's operated outside of of, of like a standard, eventually the things just go back and forth between what's right for a moment and what's wrong in the next. So this is what's going on in our world, and that's why we cannot place our trust in man's words. I uh, don't trust in man's word, but rather you need trust in the word of God. God's word is unbreakable. Uh, Jesus said in the New Testament that not a tittle or dot will, will, will pass away. Uh, uh, the, the word of God is eternal, it does not it does not perish. Every one of God's word is eternal because God himself is eternal. Uh, God's word is breathed out by God, and it's, it's, it will last. And this is what, uh, how we live in the world. Man's, world, man's words are going to change. Man's perception of reality is always going to be different. But we need to always ground ourselves in God's word. Don't be like the kings here. No, don't be like King Asher in this book or even any of the other characters that we'll see. Don't be moved by your own uh, uh, by the words of people. Rather, be moved by the word of the living God. So that's the first point. Our first point is that how do we live in a strange world so that we can grow in a trust in God? Is that we don't trust in man's words. Instead, it's the contrast that we trust in God's word. Okay, that's the first point. Tomorrow we're going to talk about how we need to trust not in man's ways, rather we trust in God's way. Uh, okay, I hope that this was helpful. I will see you tomorrow.